So we're going to start a series uh, today about attitude. How many people would say, sometimes I have an attitude? Oh, yeah. Um, Attitude is something that will affect every aspect of our life. Uh, I had a, uh, I'll never forget, even though it's been uh, a long time ago, when I graduated from high school, I will never forget the person that spoke. His main theme was, your attitude affects your altitude. Your attitude affects your altitude. You see, what's going on on the inside of you determines how high you can go on the outside. And so over the next several weeks, we are going to look at uh, the best sermon ever preached. The Sermon on the Mount. The sermon that, that Jesus, people gathered around him, and he began to speak to them, to preach to them. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And he begins to tell the crowd, he said, if you want to be blessed, here's the things you need to do. We know them as the, the Beatitudes. If you want to be blessed, here's what you need to do. He also tells them that they are to be the salt of the earth. He also tells them that they're to be the light of the world. And you see, he he reminds them that he didn't come to change the law, but he came to keep it and to fulfill it. But when he began this sermon, it wasn't the externals that he was concerned about. You see, you can get things right on the outside. You can look as if you have it all together and still not be right on the inside still have a bad attitude. He talked about how that that's what religion is. He said, on the outside, you look nice, you look clean, but on the inside, you're full of dead bones. You see, the Pharisees thought that just as long as they were okay on the outside, just as long as everything looked okay, that no one really cared about what was going on on the inside. And Jesus said, no, you're missing it. You're not getting it. You see, God is calling us to live a life that is just a cut above. God is calling us not to just look right on the outside, but to understand that it's what's going on on the inside that will determine how high we can go. It's what's going on on the inside that will allow us to become everything that He wants us to be. So this morning we're going to talk about an attitude of the heart. We're going to talk about anger. We all get angry. Let's just, right up front, let's just put that out there. If you're here and you say you don't get angry, bless your heart. We all get angry. And Jesus addresses this anger issue through the lens of murder. He said, you have heard that they said that thou shalt not kill, but I say. And a lot of times we look at that and we think, okay, we we shouldn't. We look at the 
Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, and you think, well, I'm good. I've never been angry enough that I've actually killed somebody. But there's things on the outside, on the inside, that can look as bad as murder on the outside. Murder defined, we can define it as premature death of destiny, not just life. Premature death of destiny, not just life. You see, bitterness and anger and hatred can eat away and can steal your destiny. It can kill a portion of your life. And it can end up that your destiny is never fulfilled because you live in a life and you live in such a state of bitterness and of anger and of hatred. And something on the inside of you just continues to die. John chapter 8 verse 44 says this, You are the father of... You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. The part there that I want you to see is is that he was a murderer from The beginning. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He's talking about the devil. And he says, the devil was a murderer from the very beginning. He did it to Adam and Eve. He cheated them out of their destiny. He told them lies. And he caused bitterness to rise up in them. To think that they weren't getting what they deserved. And he cheated them of their destiny. But you see, the thing about the enemy, the thing about the devil is he's he's not satisfied just with you. No, what did he do to Adam and Eve? He also went after their children. He went after their children. In Genesis chapter 4, we read how that Cain and Abel, who were sons of Adam and Eve, They gave an offering to God. One offering was accepted. Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's wasn't. Because he didn't give of his first fruit. So God came to Cain and he said, why are you angry? This is the first time that that anger is mentioned in the Bible. He said, Cain, why are you angry? You see, negative emotions were trying to get the best Of Cain. Negative emotions. He was was angry over the fact that his offering wasn't accepted. And God was saying, you've got to get control of this. You have to get control of these emotions or they're going to overtake your life. You must rule over them. And a lot of times we think that it's something that I, I can't do. It's something that 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 I I just can't, it's just who I am. But you see, God wouldn't ask you to do anything that that you're not capable of doing through Him. You can't keep listening to negative emotions. And so what happened here was bitterness and rage rose up on the outside. And He acted on what He was feeling. And we know, what did He do? 
he murdered his brother. You see, he thought that he had been wronged. And the fact that what he was feeling on the inside, it led him to rage. Anybody ever been in a, in a state of rage? How many people have driver's license? Now, let me ask that question again. How many people have ever been in a state? You know, God is really, he's really good to me. Because every time that I go to preach something, he gives me great examples the week before. How many people have been guilty of saying Ohio drivers always drive slow in the fast lane? Oh, yeah, everybody raise your hand. I have Ohio license plate, okay? So, you know, we live in South Point, and we're coming down 52 toward Ashland. Well, people, you know, it'll say like one mile to the bridge. So people, you know, back at Sam's uh, start getting over in the left-hand lane because 10 miles down the road, they've got to get off. So I try to help Ohio's perception of their drivers, and I'm driving in the right-hand lane. And I get a little less than a mile from the bridge, and there's enough room for me to get over. But I made a mistake. I turned on my blinker. I let them know I was coming. So guess what they did? They sped up. So here I'm trying to get over behind this person. I have to slow down almost to a crawl because there was cars behind them as well. And I was angry. So we get up to the light and we come, we come across the bridge. And I watch this person. And they are weaving in and out of traffic and, and trying to... And it's just it's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, this person is crazy. And the whole time, it's just this rage is rising up in me. And I want to get in front of them and cut them off. But I remember that I've got a Gateway Church sticker on the back of my vehicle. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. But you know what happens? No, I'm just driving normal and you know, I'm watching them weave in and out of traffic. We get to the stoplight at the top of the hill. Guess who I'm right beside? That same person. And it was everything in me not to roll down my window and say, it didn't do you a bit of good, did it? Causing, almost causing 12 accidents and me to lose my uh, salvation. Didn't do you a bit of good. But I didn't. You know why? Because I have a Gateway Church sticker But we've all been there. We've all had bitterness and anger rise up in us. How many people have ever had restaurant rage? They didn't cook my steak right. They didn't get me my refill quick enough. They didn't seat us fast enough. Come on. It makes me nervous when people start acting like that. It's just like, oh man, don't do that. You know why? Because I've got a Gateway Church shirt on. How about technology rage? You know, God's good to me. He gives me examples. There was a point in this week that my wife said, I'm getting ready to throw this computer across the room. It wasn't working the way that she wanted, and anger rose up inside of her. And I'm thinking, please don't do that. Golf rage. How many people have ever thrown a club? Nobody raised their hand. 
bunch of liars. Thank you, thank you. I've played with a few of you, and I could point you out, but I'm not going to do that. That's the reason I quit playing golf. I think I told you that, because I just couldn't control my rage. But you see, anger and bitterness, it's something that we have to guard against. It's something that, that we have to realize that the enemy is going to use it against us. The attitude of our heart. Because what's on the inside, if we do not control it, and we do not rule it, is going to eventually come out. But we have to understand that it's something that we can't overcome by ourselves. It's something that we cannot overcome by ourselves. I've tried. I've tried to, to rule over this, but it's something that we have to realize that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds. What does that mean? What he's saying here is, is that we have to understand that it's, it's not our righteousness. It's not our righteousness. Because our righteousness, it's imputed. What does that mean? That means it's, it's not ours. It's something that God places in us. It's given to us by God. In ourselves, we're not righteous. In ourself, we can't do it. But God gives us His righteousness. But not only is it imputed in us, it's also implanted. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? John chapter 14, verse 17 says this, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. You see, He implants this righteousness in us. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 says this, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. You see, the beautiful thing about when He implants His righteousness into us is that we can then produce something that we're not capable of producing on our own. Something that we can't do on our own. We cannot rule over our emotions. But the Holy Spirit living in you will keep you in check. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, and you look at the disciples who were there, I believe that, that they, did never, they did not truly grasp what Jesus was saying until after the day of Pentecost. They didn't truly grasp what He was trying to put and tell them because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus' disciples, John, after the day of Pentecost, was known as the Apostle of Love. But before Pentecost, after this Sermon on the Mount. You know what he was known as? The Apostle of 
flamethrowing. You see, there was a time that the city rejected Jesus and he just wanted to torch the, the whole town. Even though he had heard what Jesus had said, he wanted to torch the whole town. But then after the Holy Spirit come, he became known as the apostle of love. Look at Peter. Peter heard this, this sermon. And what did he do in the garden? He cut off a guy's ear. You think he may have been just a little angry? Do you think that he was unable to keep his anger in check? But then after the day of Pentecost, he became the leader of the New Testament church. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot grasp what God wants to do in us. Without someone on the inside speaking and saying, hey, 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 you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. How many people remember the Incredible Hulk? Oh, yeah. Showing my age. David Banner. But every time someone would cross him, every time he would get angry, what would happen? He would turn into this green, mean, fighting machine. And he would say, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. But it would rise up in him. Well, can I tell you that, that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in reverse? When something happens and someone crosses you, if you allow the Holy Spirit to rule over your emotions and the Holy Spirit to keep you in check, then things will be different on the outside. And when you're tempted to act out in anger, you won't do it. And instead of, of, of turning into something that is ugly and something that people won't like, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you'll be able to control and you can show the, the gift of self-control. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember, the Holy Spirit can bring things into our remembrance. When He's in you, He will speak to you. When He's in you, He will allow you to know. God came to Cain. God came to Cain and he said, Cain, why are you angry? He was trying to help Cain get control over his emotions. And if God will come to Cain, he will also come to us. J.W., why are you angry? Allow me to work in your life. Don't allow your feelings to get the best of you. Because what happens is we open that up and it will change your destiny. It will cause you to miss out on what God has for you. You see, we are His sheep. If you're a follower of Christ, then you should hear His voice. And the enemy wants your emotions to run so rampant and anger and bitterness and hatred to rise up in you because He never wants you to reach what God has for you. Secondly, we must search 
We must search it. What is the cause? You see, without the Holy Spirit, you will never know what the true root of your anger is. Matthew 5 verse 22 says this, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, what does that say? Without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. You see, there are some justified angers. There are times that as followers of Christ, we're justified to be angry. You say, well, we'll show it to me. Genesis chapter 4 verse 6 says, So the Lord came to Cain and said, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? He said, What is your cause? Now God knew it. But he said, Cain, why are you angry? What is your cause? What is causing this? And what happens so many times in our life is we want to blame those on the outside and completely ignore what's going on on the inside. We play the blame game. It's a whole lot easier to blame somebody else. Well, I'm upset because they did this. I'm upset because this didn't go right. Cain, why are you mad? What's Abel's fault? Abel hadn't done anything to him. Abel didn't deserve Cain's wrath. Cain had issues. Cain had something going on in his heart that nobody could see. But he allowed them to override him. And you see, usually it's personal frustrations and disappointments that create the reactions in your life. Personal frustrations and disappointments. But we're always looking to blame someone else. But in reality, it's what's going on on the inside. God was saying, Cain, you're frustrated. You're disappointed. You're upset that things didn't work out the way that you wanted them to. But your anger isn't justified. You might be here this morning. And you may be dealing with a childhood hurt. But God wants you to know that He can heal it. That He can change it. That He can help you deal with that anger and that bitterness and that hatred that you have in your life. Because He wants to heal you completely. You see, so many times we perceive that we've been done wrong. But we've got to figure out where's the anger coming from? What is the issue? Maybe you didn't get that raise. You didn't get that promotion. Maybe you asked somebody out and they said no. You feel rejected. You feel hurt. You can't let those things create a chain reaction in your life. Don't cheat your own destiny with negative emotions. Search out the cause. Is your anger fueled by justice for others or justice for yourself? As I said, there's sometimes that anger is justified. There are things that happen in this world that go on that we have a right to be angry about. Things that happen, child abuse and, and just down the line. Things that, 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 that justified anger. Mark chapter 3 verse 4 and 5 says this, Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? Or to do evil, to save a life, or to kill. But they kept silent. 
And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. This tells us right here that Jesus was angry. But he wasn't angry because of something that was happening to him. He was angry because he wanted justice. He wanted this man to be made whole. And the fact that the people around him were trying to keep that from happening. We're trying to keep this man from fulfilling and being what God wanted to do in his life. He was angry. What happened when he went into the temple? Jesus went in and he said, You have turned my father's house to a den of thieves. He wasn't angry about what was happening to him. He was angry because what they were doing to his father's house. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says, Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So Jesus, we see two examples that he was upset over things that were happening to other people. But when it came to himself, he didn't try to defend himself. When it came to himself, even though he was being wronged. Now I'm not saying you have to be a doormat. But what I am saying is we need to realize that God will fight your battles. When the enemy comes against you. And anger rises up in you because of what is happening in your life. Or what someone is doing to you. Realize that the battle is not ours. But it belongs to God. Jesus, when he was being beaten and threatened. He did nothing. He allowed God to fight his battles. And we know what happened. He won the victory. We read a story in 1 Samuel that talks about how that David and his men, they had protected this camp. And they found out that it was time to shear sheep, which was a time that was a very profitable time. So David sent his men and said, hey, go down there and tell them that because we protected them, you should take care of us, basically. And he looked at him and he said, Why would I take care of you? I don't even know you. So they went back and told David, and David was mad. Something rose up in David and said, After all I've done for you, after we, what we did, I'm mad. I'm upset. And he said, Let's go. We're going to kill them all. And he's on his way to Nabal's house. He's on his way to, to just wipe these people off the face of the earth. And Abigail finds out. And in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 28, she said, Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. She said, don't do about what you're about to do. Let God fight your battles. Let God fight your battles. And so at that point, David decided, and he didn't do it. Can I tell you that, that in this life, 
People will talk about you. There's going to be times that things do not go the way and people do not treat you the way that you are to be treated. And people will talk about you, but the favor and the fruit of God will outspeak anything you can do or say. If you allow God to fight your battles, it'll work out better. And that's what happened in this instance here in 1 Samuel. David could have went in there, no doubt. He could have wiped them out. But it wasn't God's plan. And he was willing to listen to who God sent his way. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 33 says, And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. He said, thank you. Thank you for stopping me. And God will put people in your life that you can talk to. He will send people your way. that says, hey, hey, maybe you don't want to do that. Next, you need to master it in your soul. How many people are guilty of when something happens, you find yourself thinking about that thing over and over, and you replay it in your mind over and over and over again, and you dwell on it. And bitterness comes in you, and it consumes you and everything around you. You see, God's good to me. I got up this morning and I, on my notes, I just have a thing that says, tell a story of bitterness. Had no idea what I was going to tell. I was getting ready to walk out the door this morning. And we have a cooler that has drinks in them. Soda, water. And it has a lid on it. And if you bend that lid backwards enough, it's a glass lid, it breaks. And it's happened two or three times. And so as I go in to get my Diet L8, my caffeine fix, I look at it and it's broken. It has a gasket that goes all the way around it. And it's broken. And I stood there for 15 minutes trying to fix it. And the whole time, you know what I was thinking? I have told her, I'm talking about my daughter, not to bend that thing backwards. And every time I'd get one side on, the other side would pop off. And I was getting so angry. And it just kept going over in my mind. In my mind, I have told her a hundred times not to do it this way. Anybody ever been there? I have told them, and I have told them, I told them not to step on the wet paint. And you begin to play it over in your mind. And, and what happens? Before you know it, man, you are on Facebook Live. Before you know it, it is eating you up. And as I was standing there, and it was just the grace of God that I got it somewhat fixed before I left. I was looking at my watch and I was thinking, man, i got to get to church, but I'm not even going to be able to do anything if this thing's not fixed. But that bitterness was rising up in me. But on those things, you have to learn to master it. 
You cannot replay it over and over in your mind. You have to, to let it go. Everybody should have broke out in a Frozen song, right? Let it go. Don't let it control you. Release it. Master it. Finally, I thought, well, if I don't get it fixed, we'll figure something out. But too many times in our life, we let it control us. And can I tell you that anger can forfeit your future inheritance? Anger can forfeit your future inheritance. Why did Moses not go into the promised land? Because he became angry and he struck the rock out of anger. But you see, when you yield to him, when you yield to him, and there may be some of you sitting here, oh, I'm not angry. But the times in your life that that anger begins to rise up, if you'll yield to him, he can make up what anger could destroy. You know what the last miracle on earth that, that Jesus did was? It was when he put Malchus's ear back on. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Now, people think, well, why did Peter just cut off his ear? My thought is, is that uh, Peter was actually going through it for his throat. I mean, why would you just cut off somebody's ear? I mean, you've seen the movies. Nobody's just going to cut off an ear. But what happened? He became angry. He was trying to kill him. He cut off his ear. But what did Jesus do? Those negative emotions that had caused this situation... Jesus healed them. He took the ear. He put it back on. And you see, I don't know what's been severed in your life from negative emotions. Some of you are here today and, and, and you could say, because of my anger, because of my bitterness, because of my hatred, there's been a relationship that's been severed. There's been things in my life that, that I've never gotten to that potential because it's been severed. Because the attitude of my heart. But God wants you to know this morning that, that He can fix that. And that if you will yield to the Holy Spirit, that He can heal what's been severed. Lastly, we need to learn to settle it. Settle it with love. Too many times we want to ignore or deny That these emotions are there. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says. Therefore. We read it before. If you bring your gift to the altar. And remember that your brother has something against you. He goes on to say. Get up. Go fix it. Leave your gift there. Get up and go fix it. You see, a lot of times we let religious activity cover up ruined relationships. We let religious activity, things that, that we think, well, this will make it better. But the Holy Spirit teaches us that reconciliation is what we need. And that it takes priority to religious activity. 
You see, many of us walk around. We put on our Sunday best. We walk around and, and we want to, people to think that everything is alright. But on the inside of us, there's things that have been severed. And it rules over us. And Jesus said, Go fix it. How do you fix it? With love. With love. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says this If it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. A lot of times there's things that they're not easy to settle. You ever been in a situation where you go to apologize? And you think, this is going to be great. I'm going to apologize. They're going to apologize. And it's going to be over. But it doesn't go the way that you wanted it to go. Or you say, I'm not going to them. They're going to have to come to me. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. But then maybe you work up. And you think, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, you need to do this. And you go to them, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to say I'm sorry. They're going to say I'm sorry. And, and you say, I'm sorry. And they say, okay. You say, I'm sorry, and they say, I accept. But you see, it's not about being right. There's situations in your life that, that you, you may have every right in yourself because you did what was right you've been wronged but it's not about being right it's about doing what's right what is right to let it go to fix it to depend on the Holy Spirit we look for resolution what we need is reconciliation He came to us. We didn't deserve what He did for us. We all sin. We all fall short of His glory. But if we're going to live by His example, what did He do? He came to us to forgive us. He didn't do anything wrong. But he did it anyway. He showed us the example. With every head bowed. I understand that when we start talking about attitude of our heart that over the next few weeks there's going to be some tough tough stuff 
There's going to be some things that might step on your toes, step on my toes. But I just believe that God wants to do something in our lives that we can't imagine. And in order for that to happen, in order for that to happen, we've got to change some of our attitude. What's on the inside? You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I deal with anger. Maybe it's not the type of anger that comes out and you put your hand through a wall. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just anger that hasn't even made its way to the outside yet, but it's on the inside. And you're dealing with it. And it's eating away at you. Maybe it's relationships that when their name is mentioned, your blood pressure just shoots through the roof. God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need him to help me rule my emotion. I need him to help me to master it. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. I just I just fly off the handle. Thank you. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live with bitterness and anger and hatred in your heart. Because He didn't design us to live that way. Anyone else? I'm going to ask everyone to stand. There's nothing that I can say or nothing that I can do that can outdo what the Holy Spirit can do. Sure, I can give you books to read, but in the end, it takes you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to help you deal with the issues that Jesus was talking about here this sermon so if you're here this morning I'm going to ask you just to take the hand of the person beside you you have no idea what they're dealing with you have no idea what they're going through they may be a spouse and you may know that they have anger issues they have hatred and they have bitterness They may be a complete stranger. You may have no idea what they're going through. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe for the Holy Spirit to do something that we can't do on our own. Something that we can't control. We cannot control our emotions. We're emotional people but that the Holy Spirit will rise up in you 
And just as John went from wanting to torch the town with fire to becoming the apostle of love through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what I want to happen in your life today. So right now, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for a life-changing moment right now. Do you hear me, Father? We come before you. God, you see every person that's represented here today. God, you know their hurt, their pain, their bitterness, their anger. You know the things that that they, they replay in their mind day after day after day. God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that you will help us to master our anger. God, that we will not be and not give in to the temptation of defending ourselves. But God, we will allow you to fight our battles. God, that we will be able to, to figure out through the Holy Spirit the root of the problem. God, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. God, search us. Empower us with your love to guard our mind, to guard our mouth, to guard our actions, to guard our reactions. God, we can't do it on our own. Father, we need you. God, I do not want anger, bitterness, hatred to rob me of my destiny in you. Father, over the next several weeks, God, help us to understand that you are not just concerned about what's on the outside, but God, it's about what's on the inside. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this place. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. How many people know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy